Here is another powerful message from New Vision Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. To hear the rest of this series and others, join us at newvisionlife.com. Today we are in um, week three of our series, Battle of the Sexes. And so what we're doing today is we're going to define womanhood biblically. What does God's Word say? And so to help me, it's not that, uh, that we need, um, I need any help talking about womanhood. I mean, right? I mean, I got it pretty much dialed. I can understand. Nobody understands the heart of a woman like Pastor Brady. That's what a lot of people say. But I did bring some, 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 some helpers up here today. So this is to my right right here, Nikki Tig. Nikki works in our student ministry. It's enough. It's plenty. No, that's right. Nikki is great. She does an awesome job. She's a great Bible teacher and just an amazing lady. So, Nikki, thanks for being involved. Dixie Lovett is here. And so now it's going to be awkward. Now you've got to applaud for everybody. See what you guys are doing? And so Dixie uh, directs our women's ministry, and we didn't do a good job, but Dixie's been doing this job for uh, about six or eight months, and so we didn't do a good job of announcing her after the first of the year. So she is now officially is our full-time director of women's ministry. Now would be a good time to <laughs> applaud. There you go. And the most often asked question that I get here at New Vision is this, who is your wife? I have never seen her before. Well, no one here can say that anymore because there she is right there. There's my wife, Amy. In 25 years of ministry, we have, we've never done anything like this before. This is a new thing. It is a new thing. And after the last service, I don't know if we we started thinking, I don't know that we'll do that. And Viric, right? Am I saying that right? Is it Viric? What's your name? Lyric. 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 Now I got it. Lyric. Lyric. And Lyric is here with us. And this is the most amazing day for a young girl to be sitting up here because what we're going to do today is give young girls a biblical definition of womanhood, all right? So if you're a a guy here, you're a dad, you're a granddad, or a single guy, let me say this to you. This may be one of the most important messages for you of the year because I think what can happen in the next 30 minutes for you as guys is I think God could raise your view of women, which could change everything in your life. Uh, Number two, I think as you see a biblical definition of womanhood, then you're able to call it out in the women in your life, in your daughters and your granddaughters and your wives. Uh, So we're going to, to do that. And if you're single, single guys here, let me tell you something. What we're, what we're going to do, I think, could be so super helpful because you want to marry a woman, not a girl. And we're going to look at the differences between women and girls, all right? And for the ladies, Lyric, especially for you, I'm, I'm just going to talk to you a little bit because you were so courageous and God sent you to us today. And your hat is awesome. <laughs> yes. So we're going to just have a great definition of what it means to be a woman. All right? So at the end of our time today, that's just going to be something that you can take with you because I think it will help you the rest of your life. I know it will help you the rest of your life. Okay? You guys ready to get started this morning? We're going to start this way. Before defining what a woman is, we're going to start by saying what a woman is not. Okay? Can we do that? About three or four things that a woman is not. Number one, a woman is not less than a man. Uh, sometimes we, we feel that way or culture kind of leans that way or maybe a, as, a, as a lady you have felt that way. And here's how we know a woman is not less than a man. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 27, 
It says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. So, Lyric, you are created in the image of God, and I'm created in the image of God, so that I'm not better than you, and you're not better than me, that we're equal in God's eyes. Isn't that good news? Yeah. But sometimes, Amy, sometimes I think ladies sort of grow up feeling that they're lesser than men. And, and so where do you think maybe for starters that comes from? Okay, I want to read the verse Genesis 2.18. Um, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And for me, hearing the word helper sometimes in the past has seemed almost like an inferior word, like more of a supporting role and not a starring role type thing. Um, but for me as a wife, as a mom, even now as a grandmother, as I've just stepped into that role that God has given me, I see how vital it is and the influence he's given me within that role. And also, even as time has gone on, I've seen how he's allowed my influence to grow in that area. Um, so it doesn't seem inferior to me anymore. Um, another thing that helps me with that is how that word is used to describe the Holy Spirit, that he's, he's described as our helper. And I'm not saying now that as wives we're our husband's Holy Spirit. Let's I'm call a time out that. right there and just reiterate <laughs> that. It'd be a good thing for us to make sure that what she's not saying is women and not the Holy Spirit. There, there, already, there is a Holy Spirit. That's right. But, but you're the, go but ahead. Sorry. I was going to say that we are, the Holy Spirit, you know, it says he reminds us of truth. And I think, well, sometimes our, as wives, we have to remind our husband about a few things. So yes, there yes. are some similarities for this sure. This is why we haven't done this in 25 years, <laughs> as you're starting to see that. Yeah. yeah. But it, it does, it helps me just to see my job is to come alongside uh, yeah. my husband, not get ahead of him, not, you know, lag behind, but just beside. Yeah. And what, yeah, the point that you're making is so great. I mean, even God is called our ever-present help. So that word helper is not a lesser term. The Holy Spirit right. referred to as a helper. I think that makes a great point. So a woman is not less than a man according to Scripture. And I think it, for, for guys here, you know what, if, if that's sort of this sort of view that you have, hopefully the Scripture and the power of the Holy Spirit is changing that. Number two, a woman is the same, is, is not, is not, we're talking about what a woman is, is not. A woman is not the same as a man. A woman is not less than a man, but a woman is not same as the man. A woman is equal because we're both created in the image of God, uh, but a woman is unique. And there, that uniqueness, God created women with uniqueness. Lyric, you're created as a woman uh, unique and different uh, from little boys in your class, and there's a reason for that. And these ladies are going to talk about that uniqueness, okay? And so some of those differences in uniqueness, Amy, you can, you can start with that. So as a nurturer, I believe God's made us as women as nurturers. And I see how uh, Brady, he's just an awesome encourager and provider for our boys. But I see how nurturing, that's not, that's not been his strong suit. Um, and there's, there's an example of that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's not that I'm terrible at it. No, not terrible. Just that's not, not your good. strong suit. Right. Okay, but, good. Um, the, uh, when we would and this happens still to this day, but when we would uh, sit down and eat, even when the boys were little, um, I was just really watching their plate to make sure that, because when Brady got done eating his food, he was going to move to their plate. So it's like, 
eat up, eat up, boys. Daddy's done, and he's going to get your food now. So. Yeah. Thank you. Lyric, you and Miss Amy want to go wait back there in my office. No, that was a joke. I was just kidding. No, okay. So not the best nurturer, but you are. And, and we think about how the Lord nurtures and cares for us. And so, Nikki, another facet uh, that women bring out of the nature of God. Another thing we do, we as women, we're the ultimate multitasker. And um, I think of, you may have heard this, so men's minds are more like a waffle and just very compartmentalized and processing boxes and one thing at a time. And women, we are, we're like spaghetti. We're touching it all. We're doing it all, all at the same time. We are talking on the phone, open your laptop, pay a bill in the back of your mind, thinking about what you're wearing tomorrow, all while cooking dinner. We just do it all. We do Everything at the same time. So that's another uniqueness that is not a weakness, but it's just kind of how we're wired. Yeah. I was rattled a minute ago with what Amy said, so um, she's right. I'm not a good nurturer, not as good as her. Thursday I was having lunch um, out somewhere, and he may be in this service. He goes to church here. He's a dad now. He's a cool guy. I had this idea when our boys were young, let's get an older guy to be their babysitter. And so instead of having a girl babysitter, I said, we'll get a guy to babysit them. And our boys were like, yeah. They called out who they wanted, and he'd never babysitted. But we had him over. We got back, not an exaggeration. Our backyard had just big burn spots in it. Uh, there was a pair of tennis shoes that the, all that was left were the soles, and they were just smoldering. He had taught them how to take an aerosol can, you know, and they were making a, I don't want to give the instructions on that because little boys are like, <laughs> what'd you learn in church? Like, how to do a blowtorch. Don't do it. And so Amy is just freaking out, and I'm like, that's cool. <laughs> that's really a cool thing. And then I realized I was wrong. So the nurture thing is, our boys are alive today. Uh, mm-hmm. because of her. I would have eaten them a long time ago, as she, <laughs> she said. Dixie, salvage this, please. And the, the, what, what is the great takeaway? We're saying a, a woman is, is not less than a man, but a woman's not the same as a man, right. so she's unique. So ultimately, why is that? I think a woman is unique in these ways that we've talked about to display the nature of God that a man cannot. Yeah. Uh, he did create us both. And I do believe that's one of the main things is in these, the nurturing and in the uniqueness that he gave us as multitaskers, we do get to show that facet of God in his yeah. glory. Yeah. And if you think about God as a diamond, there's so many facets. And so a man brings out some of those facets and a woman brings out more facets of the nature of God. This is really important. Listen to this quote from John Piper. And again, we're saying, this is why women are unique from men. True womanhood is a distinctive calling of God to display the glory of his son in ways that would not be displayed if there were no womanhood. So that's why women are unique. Women are image bearers. And so as men are image bearers, but women bring out other facets of the nature of God. Guys, let me, let me say something directly to you. This is why when, we, when you lead a woman into sin in any area, and probably most notably would be sexual sin, but any time that we do that, we really dull the image that they can display of the glory and the nature of God. Okay, so that, that's, that's what's at stake there in, in so, many, so many ways, all right? Let's look at the third thing that a woman is not. And this is, this is really, really, all these I think are important, but a woman is not incomplete unless she is married. Let me say that to you again. A woman is not incomplete unless she is married. I want to speak as clear as I possibly can to single women who are in this room or who are watching online right now, Okay. 
Here's what I want to say. As a single woman, if you are single and you are in Christ, you are whole. Can I say that to you again? If you are single, whether you're 14 or 75, if you are single and you're in Christ, you are whole. You don't, you don't have to have a man to complete you. That's not good theology. God completes us all. We're whole in him, okay? All right? That doesn't mean that marriage isn't important. Of course it is. And we're going to, let's say this, we're going to get to marriage as we go through this series, okay? But we're laying a foundational definition of womanhood, all right? And, and Dixie, tell us about some resources that we have for single women here that might be helpful for them. We do. Uh, there is a website, a blog that is called singledoutforhim.co, not .com. I didn't even know there was such a thing. But uh, there is. It's a young lady by the name of Lauren McCoy. She's one of our small group leaders here at New Vision. She leads a group of single ladies. And in this journey of singleness, she has started this blog, and I wanted to share her mission. She's also on all the social media things, so you can follow her there. But here is part of her mission statement. Her aim is to help women embrace the gift of singleness by falling deeper in love with Jesus, his word, and his church. During this season, we are called to be purposefully singled out for him. Yeah, very good. And that's, a, that's great, and that's a good resource that you can take advantage of, and we need to do a better job here at New Vision with singles. There's no question about that. But, Nikki, this starts very early in a young girl's life, mm -hmm. like even in middle school. You, you were talking with us last week about how uh, many middle school girls feel like unless they have a boyfriend, then, then they're incomplete. You want to talk about that just a little bit? Yeah, that's something that I see a lot with middle school and, and high school girls, that the need for a boyfriend. And I just really take that time to encourage them. They can be singled out for him in middle school and high school and not have to, that boy does not make them complete. Yeah. And again, let's be honest, it's not that a boyfriend is wrong. Some of you are sitting here and your boyfriend's right beside you and you're like, awkward Sunday to be here. <laughs> it's not that that's wrong, but if, if you are letting him define you or vice versa, if she is defining you, then that can be, that can be a, a problem. Or if you feel like I'm incomplete unless I have somebody, that's where that can really be difficult. Here's the fourth thing today, and then we're going to move on, that uh, a woman is not. A woman is not less than a man. A woman is not the same as a man. She brings out different facets of God's nature. A woman is not incomplete unless she's married. And a woman is not defined by her appearance. You know, in our culture, so many women and, and truly so many young girls are defined by their appearance. But we're going to see that that's not biblical womanhood. Psalms 139 verse 14 says, I praise you, God, because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I know that full well. Isn't that a great verse to know that what, what does God say about you that you're fearfully and wonderfully made, all right? That's a great thing that that's how God views us. And I praise you because of that. And knowing that really brings some peace. We know that full well. So here's what we're going to do for the next 15 minutes of our time today. We're going to try to make good on the one promise that I gave you today. We're going to try to give you a biblical definition, a foundational definition of womanhood. Now, before we do that, a lot of definitions of womanhood are not so much foundational. They're like the shutters and the shingles and the throw pillows. But what we're going to talk about is very foundational, I think, that, that you really have to have to, to build off of. I love the movie The Help. Have you seen the movie The Help? The movie The Help is, is, is set in 1960 Mississippi. It really, the, 
the heart of so much racial tension in the South and especially in Mississippi. And so it, it, it chronicles the stories of African-American ladies who were nannies and maids in Jackson, Mississippi and tells their story. And, and one of the main char- characters is Abilene Clark. Viola Davis plays this character. And Abilene in this story is taking care of a three-year-old little girl, a little girl named Mae Mobley. And May Mobley's mom is a, a wannabe socialite in Jackson, Mississippi. And, and her little girl, May, is a little, she's maybe a little chubby. And her, her mom doesn't think she's the most attractive. So she doesn't give her much attention. And so Abilene, this African-American woman who's in her life, is pouring into her and showing her what true womanhood is. So as we take a look at this clip, this is as Abilene has lost her job and she's leaving little May Mobley. Let, let's watch this clip for a moment. Don't go, baby. Baby, you need to get back to bed. Please don't leave. I got to, baby. I am so sorry. Are you going to take care of another little girl? No, that's not the reason. I don't want to leave you. But it's time for me to retire. You're my last little girl. No! Baby. Baby. I need you to remember everything I told you, okay? Okay. You remember what I told you? You are kind, you are smart, you are important. That's right, baby girl. Don't go, baby. I got you, baby. You give my sweet girl a chance. The most powerful line in that clip to me is when Abilene says, you give my sweet little girl what? A chance. You see, because here's what we're doing today. Unless a young girl, unless this sweet little girl that God brought Lyrica, right? Am I saying it right? Unless Lyrica has a true definition of womanhood, it's, it's going to be really hard because other people are going to, to kind of give her images of what a woman is. And so Abilene is telling her what true womanhood is. You as kind, you as smart, you as important. She's calling those things out. So here we go. Here is a passage that I want us to look at. And from this passage, we're going to get a very simple foundational definition of womanhood. If you have your Bibles, you can look at Proverbs chapter 31. Proverbs chapter 31. The book of Proverbs is wisdom literature. It has 31 chapters. The final chapter tells the story of this virtuous or noble wife. And, and this woman, I know, Nikki, you love this, right? Here is this, this woman, and, and she works hard. She sews. She makes clothes for her family. She gets up early, feeds her servants and her children. She buys a field. She, uh, she sells it, makes money, plants. I mean, she does everything. And you look at that as a woman and are like, what? Yeah, and it, I just made a joke. It sounds like in the beginning it says the wife of noble character. Who can find? Because she does a lot. That's why we can't find her. She, yeah. Yeah, it's hard to find her. Where lot. is she? Yeah, <laughs> She doesn't exist. No, this is, this is a woman who really shows God's character in amazing ways. And, and let, let's take a look at Proverbs chapter 31 starting in verse 25. It says, she is clothed with strength and dignity. 
And we're going to come back to that in just a few moments. She can laugh at the days to come. This is an amazing statement. She's not, she's not anxious about tomorrow. Don't raise your hand here, but how many of you have some anxiety about the things in the future? Well, we all do. But she laughs at the future. Why is that? Well, we'll see that in just a few moments. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat uh, the bread of idleness. Listen to how her children respond to her. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. So this character that she has, this godly character, these virtues that are there because of God alive in her life, her children and her husband, they praise her because of that. Many women do noble things, verse 30 says, but you surpass them all. Here it is, verse 30. Here's where we're going to get our definition, our foundational definition of womanhood. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And then here's the final verse in the book of Proverbs. Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gates. Now, what's fascinating about verse 31 to me is this was so abnormal or so unusual for a woman in an ancient culture to go? The city gates were like the courthouse. That's where men, noble men in the community, would all the transactions in the community would take place at the city gates. But she is at the city gates, and her community praises her because of what God had done in her life. Because she's she is a great example of what a godly woman is. So from that, here's our definition of of womanhood. All right, foundationally. A woman is one who has a healthy fear of God and a correct understanding of beauty. Let's say that again. This is a foundational definition of womanhood. Men, you want your little girls to know this. What is a woman? One who has a healthy fear of God and a correct understanding of beauty. Let's spend the next couple minutes breaking that down. For starters, a godly woman has a healthy fear of God. Well, well what does that mean? The book of Proverbs has 31 chapters. It has tons of virtues for as far as investing money, about how we go about our work, the kind of people that we hang out with, and on and on and on. But the virtue, the most important virtue in the book of Proverbs, we see it in the first chapter and in the last chapter. And here it is, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, Proverbs 1, 7. So that's how the book of Proverbs starts. And then here's how the book of Proverbs ends in Proverbs chapter 31. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord should be praised. Dixie, help us with this because I'm a, sometimes I wonder like that, that, that phrase to fear the Lord, that can be confusing. Like what does it mean to fear the Lord? It can. I, I don't really see it as being a word that means we're afraid, but that we have a reverence for the Lord, uh, almost like awe of who God is, a reverent love for the Lord most in our life. Yeah. So I, I, love, what, I love what Dixie said, to, to have awe of the Lord. So what it means to fear the Lord is to be in awe of Him. And so if you're a parent here and you're thinking, how do we teach our kids to fear the Lord, to be in awe of the Lord? Well, it just starts by just teaching, him the great, teaching them the great stories in the Bible to see what God does in ages past, to see His power, and then our children begin to develop an awe for who God is, which starts this understanding of what it means to fear God. Tony Evans says this in his book, Kingdom Woman. He's wrote, written a great book called Kingdom Man. He and his daughter wrote a book called Kingdom Woman. Here's what he says. He says, what sets a godly woman apart from any other boils down to one thing, her fear of God. Her reverence determines her actions, thoughts, words, and priorities. In other words, her reverence or awe of God will determine 
what she thinks and what she does uh, in her life. Now, here's the thing. Nikki, let's talk about this because this living in awe and fear of God really dictates everything in our life. But one of the things it dictates is anxiety that we can have in our life. And we're so prone to being anxious or nervous about things in our life. So talk about how a healthy fear of God can really combat anxiousness. I think as women, we do have this thing where we just so given to worry because I think part of it, we are the multitaskers and we are caring for so many things, but we're also called to cast our cares on God. And God did give us these responsibilities to care for, but we can kind of go overboard. And I think anxiety sets in when we move past caring for those things to trying to control them. So I love the verse that says um, she is clothed with strength and dignity and can laugh at the days to come. And that's just a reminder for us and a step for us as women to overcome that each morning. We can, we can do the same thing as this lady in the scripture by saying, I'm not going to let my work schedule, my kids, or social media dictate my morning. And I'm going to spend time clothing myself spiritually. This woman is clothed with strength and dignity, and that's something you intentionally put on. So I think as women, we have to guard ourselves and fight that battle of anxiety with prayer and clothing, our, clothing ourselves with the truth found in God's word. Yeah, that's a great word. I really believe this about anxiety and worry and fear. I think if you don't have a healthy fear of God, you will fear everything else in the culture. If you do have a healthy fear of God, you won't be prone to fearing anything else. So that's why this is so important. So our definition of womanhood starts with a healthy fear of God, a healthy fear of God. Hey guys, what's the difference between a girl and a woman? It starts with who they fear. And we talked about this a little bit, Amy, because a girl it tends to be indifferent or you use some other words as it comes to fearing God. Yeah, I, the, the word dismissive came to mind, just kind of putting that aside, Yeah. putting God aside and his power. Yeah, yeah, and there's kind of some irreverence with com, mm -hmm. comes with that. So that's how we can begin to determine the difference between a woman and a girl is do they have a fear uh, for the living God. So let's, let's look at the second part of our definition and we're gonna spend the, the final time here today understanding this, a godly woman not only has a healthy fear of God, but a godly woman understands beauty. You can't talk about womanhood without talking about beauty. How old are you, Lyrica? How old are you? Nine. And you, you wouldn't, first of all, you wouldn't see a nine-year-old boy sitting this still up here, by the way, either, right? They're just looking, looking sharp. So, but beauty and we live in a culture today that spends billions and billions of dollars on trying to tell us what is beautiful. So we have images uh, around there. But what is, a, what, is a, what is a correct or healthy understanding of, of beauty? What is beauty and where does it come from? Those are great questions to ask. What is beauty and where does it come from? So what the ladies are going to do is they've picked a couple passages that they want to read to us that are really going to help us understand what beauty is and where it comes from. Amy, you want to get started? Okay. First Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So this reminds me and encourages me that there's something God's doing within me that's bigger 
and better than anything on the outside. And that that inner work will work itself out, but it it has to begin within. Yeah, absolutely. And let's be very clear, okay? Can we just be completely honest here? We're not saying that a woman shouldn't think about external beauty. That, that's just not true. You guys would dismiss all of us. That, that, that's just part of innate in being a, being a woman. You know, you think about, I mean, since we're being real here this morning, I mean, you guys, did you pick out multiple outfits before you got dressed today? You did. How many did you go, Nikki, was this first choice or fourth? Of course. It was the first choice? Good for you. Right. So, you know, a, a woman looks through multiple things before she wears. All a guy does is grab a sweater and go... That's good. We're rolling with this one again. That's kind of how a guy picks things out, right? So, but we're not saying that, that, that you don't think about that, but what we're saying is there's something more important than that, that that's not the way that God views us. And every time you walk in a room as a lady and you feel like all eyes are on you, that could be overwhelming. Everybody judging you or evaluating you by the way that you look, that is very difficult, isn't it? But uh, Isn't it? Yeah. But understanding that God views you differently you know, he's looking at the heart. That helps us, and that begins to work itself out. So, Nikki, you had a passage you wanted to share with us to help us understand beauty a little bit better. First mm-hmm. Peter chapter 3, verses 3 through 4 says, Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. And it kind of piggybacks off of your um, scripture with just inner beauty. And that's something that is just not a a popular belief, but I just love it, this word. I just think it's a a sweet reminder um, from God just telling us to focus on the inner beauty that is unfading. Yeah. Ladies, if you can hang on for about five minutes, Pastor Brady is going to give you a beauty tip. It's going to be priceless. You're laughing, which hurts my feelings, but it's happening. It just, I mean, but that idea of unfading beauty, because Dixie, read your passage because it says something just the opposite about beauty, and then we're going to tie all this together, okay? As, as we've read in Proverbs 31, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And as we've talked about earlier, when I think of the word charm and being charming, uh, years ago and when I was younger, that was something that you wanted to attain, you wanted to be charming, but that's also like the same thing as flattery, and that will is deceptive, and beauty is fleeting. Every day, our beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord, that inner beauty that comes from the Lord, that's what will be praised. Yeah, yeah. you want to say something, don't you, Amy, here? Uh, well, I'm just agreeing, but yes, like I think sometimes maybe we've gone for flattery instead of praise and and we can be praised but then we can give that praise to God. Right. So and that flattery is just it's it comes and goes. Yeah. Doesn't so, last. Absolutely. Let, let's lock in on this one thought here for a second. The scripture says beauty is fleeting. Okay? And so what Dixie says is true that physically um I mean I look at I'm talking about me now, not my wife. She gets better looking every day. Me not not so much, right? But more than that, if we're honest, none of us in this room feel completely good about the way we look right now. Like you could think about if I had this outfit or if I could have this done cosmetically. Have you ever met somebody that just felt like, you know what, I'm finished? Perfection. 
<laughs> right? That, that, that doesn't happen. Beauty is fleeting. External beauty is fleeting. We'll never be satisfied. But what God is doing, this unfading beauty, that's where some satisfaction is. So again, we're not saying you don't want to look your best. We're not saying that, but we're saying there's something far greater. True beauty is inside out. And when God does something, it's, un, it's unfading. Now, here is a beauty tip. This will work. You will look better tomorrow if you will do this right here. This, is, this isn't coming from Cosmopolitan, straight from God's Word. You've got a passage of Scripture that's really helpful here, right? You want to read it? Yes. When I, when I first heard this Scripture, uh, the one that was teaching it said basically that God's Word can make you prettier. So I really wanted to hear about that. Um, but it's Psalms 34, 4 and 5. It says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Mm. So the fact that he can do something within us, um, he knows that, it's, that our outside is important, but he does something within us by us being rooted in his love, in his word, and it starts a process that's going to work itself all the way to the outside. Yeah. And that word radiant, I mean, every woman in here, you want to be radiant, right? Ladies, could you help me out here because I'm struggling? Wouldn't, is, that, is it okay to say that? Yeah. I mean, for people to say, you, you look radiant, but how do we look radiant? Well, God's word says by being in the presence of him, staying in his presence, starting your day in his presence, then that allows God a chance to do this unfading beauty, this, this, this thing that creates radiance in us. I, I told this story, Lyrica, let me tell you this. I don't know if this will, Miss Amy and I, we went on our first date, but I didn't go on a date with her. This is when we were in college. I was on a date with her friend, and that's how I met her. We were sitting and having dinner, and I was on a date with one girl, and my friend was on a date with Miss Amy. And that night, your parents are sitting out there going, Please don't talk to our kids about all this. It's getting weird. I'm going to redeem it. Watch. But that night I went back and I told my roommate, I said, I met the girl I'm going to marry. And it was her, not, not the other girl. So I had to get them broken up and work all that thing out. But that took about six months. But you know why? Was it because I thought she was pretty? Yes, I thought, I thought she was pretty. But when I listened to her talk and I heard what was important to her, there was something far deeper. There was an inner beauty that was so amazing to me. And so that's that radiance that God, well, that's what true beauty is. All right. So I want you, I'm so, I cannot believe that you came and sat down here. I think God just sent you today, right? Cause that's who we're, we're talking about. True beauty is what God does on the inside of us, right? Think about, think about the other side of that. I mean, there can be a lady in our culture that could just, I mean, everybody in the culture would say physically, she's just unbelievably attractive, but if she is bitter, she is unforgiving, right? She isn't patient. She's mean-spirited. That is not attractive, is it? It's not attractive at all, you see? And so this is what we're talking about, this inner beauty. Now, let, let's close this out today. We just have a couple minutes. Let's close this out as we think about true beauty. What, what's, our, what's our definition of womanhood? Someone who has a healthy fear of God and a correct understanding of what? Of beauty, all right? Uh, now, here's the thing. When a woman prioritizes inner beauty it's a cause for exaltation. In other words, the people around her praise her. They notice that. You think, where do you get that? In Proverbs chapter 31, this woman, this virtuous woman, who God's character was being formed on the inside of her because of her time with the Lord, 
Her children praised her, her husband praised her, and the people in the community praised her. When your focus is merely on the physical, it can lead to exploitation. Do you understand the difference? If your focus is merely on the physical, it can lead to exploitation. I haven't said this in any service yet, and I don't know that I'll say it again. I'm not on social media for multiple reasons, but occasionally I look over my son's shoulder as he's on social media. But, you know, there are so many images that we put out there like never before. The physical is being put out there like never before in every, every, every platform. And if all you're putting out is just, the, is just the physical side, then it can lead to exploitation. It doesn't have to. And I know that's a tough statement. We wrestled with that. And mm-hmm. that's a tough statement. But do you ladies believe that's a true statement? A true statement. Yes. Yeah, nobody wants to comment. Thank you for helping with that. Now... Guys, let's close with this. Let me, let, me, let me give you an assignment. Are you ready? The role of a man is to call out inner beauty in the women in his life. The goal of a man is to call out inner beauty in the women in his life. It is, it is so easy to look to Lyric and say, you're so pretty, I love your hat, I love your... It's so easy to think about that, and you are a pretty girl. But you know what? You are a little girl who God's doing something in your life. You are so patient. You've sat here for 45 minutes. And you know what? When I ask, look how many people are out here. There's probably 13 or 1,400 people. I said, would somebody be willing to be uncomfortable and sit up here? One person did. And so you were willing to put other people ahead of yourself. That's a great thing. That's a beautiful thing. And I see that. I saw that in you today. I see that in you. And I want you to to grow that and nurture that because God's going to use that in your life the rest of your life. It's an amazing thing. So what does a man do? A man calls out inner beauty in the women in his life. Does that make sense? We do that. It's it's so easy just to do that. And I'm not saying that it's not important. Don't go home and say, well, Brady said I don't need to tell you you're pretty. (laughs) I'm not saying that. But we need to, to prioritize the other. Ladies, can I close with this? I hope... I hope. This isn't today, we're in the middle of a series called The Battle of the Sexes. The series is, is, a, is a long sermon. Today is just one chapter in the series. Does that make sense? Just a foundational understanding of womanhood. Can I tell you something, ladies? The greatest thing about you is not that you were born a woman, but if you're a believer, it's that you've been born again. Can I say that to you again? The greatest thing about you is not that you were born a woman, it's that you were born again into a new creation or that you can be born again. That is your primary identity. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, has placed their trust in him, they're a new creation. Is that good news? Is there anybody here today who would say, you know what? The idea of being a new creation is the most exciting thing that I could ever think about because I think about my past, I think about my mistakes, I think about the way that I have just processed and just thought all of my life. But if I could be a new creation, that's the most exciting thing. That's the power of the gospel to make you a new creation. You don't have to be defined by how you look or what you've done. You can be defined by the creator of the universe as his daughter. 
Anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come or the new is here. So the most important thing about you is not that you were born a woman, it's that you were born again. Have you been born again spiritually? If not, you can be. The Bible says today is a day of salvation. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we'd like to invite you to one of our Sunday morning services. We meet at 820, 940, and 11 a.m. If you would like more information or would like to watch or listen to more of our services, please visit us online at newvisionlive.com. This broadcast is brought to you by New Vision Baptist Church, where our mission is guiding people to lives of gospel transformation.